Yes, people. Hey, you can add films to the list when it comes to Thursdays because, people, it's another episode of Echo Chamber coming right at you. And as we do every week, we're going to start off with the top 10 films streaming in the UK right now. So at number 10 is um, that Russo Brothers classic. Yeah, I'm calling it a classic. It's Avengers Endgame, people. Starring. I mean, who isn't it starring, right? We've got Captain America, Chris Evans. we got Thor, Chris Hemsworth. Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Chadwick Boson. As T'Challa, Black Panther Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow You know what I mean? And Hey, all your other favourite um, Avengers, right? So At number 9 We've got the Ridley Scott classic Blade Runner You know, starring Harrison Ford Sean Young Rudger Aller and J. Edward James Olsen. So at number eight, man, he, you know, it hasn't really left the charts only a couple of times. But Christopher Nolan's Tenant, a lot of people found it a little crazy, but everyone seemed to enjoy it, and it is great. I saw it twice, right? Starred. Elizabeth Delbicki, Robert Patterson, John David Washington, and Aaron Taylor Johnson. At number seven, Joker, the Todd Phillips film that kind of redefined the DC universe of films, that is. At number six, so uh, I think it won a few Oscars, right? Judas and the Black Messiah from uh, Shaka King, starring David um, Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, Jesse Plemons, and uh, Dominic Fishback. So we're in the top for, for five people. And at number five, it's the Jake Saddens Jumanji, the next level. We got Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, Aquafina, Danny DeVito, um, oh gosh, Amy Pond. Yeah, Karen Gillan. Boom. There you go. <laughs> Alright, at number four, people, it's John Watts with Spider-Man Far From Home. Man, Tom Holland, who's also in Endgame, you know, Zinanda, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Jacob Bataluna. Alright, so we're now at number three. Seems that it's an old one, right? It is, um, oh gosh, who is this from? This was, um, gosh, ah, that's it, it's Declan O'Brien, uh, Declan O'Brien, um, wrong turn, right, um, I mean, there's been a few of them, I think the first was, um, probably the best, right, so, um, sorry, um, Eliza Duskushk, 
Charles Vega and Matthew Maiden. Um, so, at number two, two, Paddy Jenkins with the sequel Wonder Woman 1984. Gail Gadot, Chris Pine, this time joined by Pedro Pascal and Kristen Wiig. So, the number one film streaming in the UK right now, it's Zack Schneider's Justice League. So, um, yeah, obviously, it's in the name, right? <laughs> Zack Schneider directed and it's starring uh, Jared Leto, um, you've got Ray Porter, Connie Nelson, Harry Lennox. Henry Cavall, Ben Affleck, Glenn, Gail Gadot, and all the other DC heroes, you know, the Aquaman dude, Jason Momoa, that's it, but yes, people, that's our films, so, um, hey, before we get into this week's reviews, let's, um, uh, let's get a little bit of a news, alright, in a bit. Okay, Shudder fans, May is looking like it is going to be another great month from the premier horror streaming platform. Some of the highlight films coming, well, it all starts on the 7th of May with Fried Barry. So this is a first directorial film from Ryan Kruger, who's, um, you know, an award-winning music video director, and it's starring Gary Green, okay, so, uh, basically, it follows the story of a drug-addled degenerate who, after yet another bender, gets abducted by aliens. Barry takes a back seat as his alien visitor assumes control of his body and takes it for a joyride through Cape Town. What follows is an onslaught of drugs, sex and violence as Barry's alien tourist enters the weird and wonderful world of humankind. Dum dum dum. Alright, so we also have the following week on the 13th of May, The Reckoning. Okay, so um, this is from Neil Marshall. Now, everyone knows Neil Marshall. He's produced some, yeah, outstanding films and also directed a lot of Game of Thrones episodes. Right, so um, it's written by Marshall as well and starring Charlotte Kirk. Edward Evers Swindle. So the film um, is this, right? After losing her husband during the Great Plague, Grace Haverstock is unjustly accused of being a witch and placed in the custody of England's most ruthless witch hunter, Judge Moorcroft. 
forced to endure physical and emotional torture while steadfastly maintaining her innocence, Grace must face her own inner demons as the devil himself starts to work his way into her mind. Then, on the 20th of May, we've got P.G. Psycho Gorman. Okay, so, um, this film is about young siblings Mimi and Luke unwittingly resurrect an ancient alien overlord who was entombed on Earth millions of years ago after a failed attempt to destroy the universe. They nicknamed the evil creature Psycho Gorman, PG for short, and used the magical amulet they discovered to force him to obey their childish whims. It isn't long before PG's reappearance draws the attentions of intergalactic friends and foes from across the cosmos, and a rogues gallery of alien combatants converges in small-town suburbia to battle for the fate of the galaxy. This is written and directed by Stephen Kostansky. Um, and it stars Anita Jose Hanna, Owen Miri, Adam Brooks, Alexis Hansi, and Matthew Ninaber. Um, the last film debuting. Um, Shudder Original, that is, is Skull the Mask. Right, so um, this is written and directed by Armando Fonseca and Capel Furman. Right, and um, it's starring Rurik Jr., who's um, a Brazilian champion wrestler. Wilton Andrade, Natalia Rodriguez, Ivo Muller, Ricardo Gelli, Guta Ruiz, Gilda Nanotz, and Tristan Aronovich. And, um, yeah, in the splatterfield supernatural slasher, a pre Columbian artifact contains the spirit of Anhanaga. The executioner of the god Takawantaspa. Whoever wears the mask is possessed by Anahaga and compelled to commit sacrifices to resurrect his god. It's up to a museum assistant and a policewoman to stop the slaughter before the ritual is completed. It's some classic 80s slasher throwback action for you people and um yeah every friday of may you will be getting new episodes of the last drive-in with bob joe bob briggs so there is that as well people i mean hey if um you know that doesn't tell you i don't know what will you know, there's also going to be, you know, some new additions to the Shudder Classic Movie Library. So, the 1973 Wicker Man, the 1959 House on Haunted Hill, 
The 99 version of House of Halting Film. The 1960s 13 Ghosts. You know, that's just to name a few. So, people, if you do not have Shudder, how do you call yourself a horror fan? Okay, people, so now we've got all of that out the way, let's get into this week's review. Sit back and let's go. So a new film caught my eye, right? I didn't really know anything about it, but I decided to check Super Me. So it's a um yes, yeah, a new film just hit Netflix the other day. And it turns out it's a it's a Chinese sci-fi drama type f- thriller feature, I guess. Hmm, I'm not quite sure. It's an odd film, okay? So, it is written and directed by Shong Zhang. And, um, yeah. Now, it is, oh, the people behind it. I mean, there's a lot, and there's a lot of names, which, frankly, I cannot pronounce. But it's produced by Bulu. A cinematography is Mazalum Saba. Um, art direction is Dirchi um, Giancarlo Dirchi, even. Um, animation is Ho Moon Ning. Uh, music, we've got Victor Kong and Sebastian C. Bisquet. And the cast. Well, we've got Kevin Lee. Um, there's Chow Bing Kong. Uh, King Shi Che. Song Jia. Wang Tulu. Uh, Wu Gang. Right, and um, well, the gist of this whole piece is. Sang Yu is uh, so exhausted from trying to stay awake. Every time he closes his eyes, a demon chases and kills him in his dreams. One night, Sang realizes he has special power. He can bring treasures from his dreams into reality. Almost overnight, he becomes a rich man, but his wealth also attracts the attention of a ruthless gangster. Dum dum dum. It is um, it's an odd film, right? It is an odd film. There's a lot of kind of stuff within this that, yeah, is it can be a little confusing, you know. So um we start off now we start off with this whole sequence which isn't it's not a bad sequence right but you know it's a dream right you know it's not reality because you see this they do this kind of 
sparkly kind of effect in the background, right? Like you're transitioning through one thing to the other. And so that happens. We see that pretty much straight away because he's on the underground, right? So it looks all innocuous. It looks like a normal thing on the underground, but we see this thing in the background. So you're just like, hold on, that's... Yeah, there's something odd about that, okay? Hmm. So then when everything starts to go crazy, you'd be like, yeah, obviously. Right, now, I think it, it would have been a better scene. I don't know, from my opinion, don't show us the sparkle in the background, right? So we just honestly do assume this is just on the tube, right? Then... Then you're really thrown, right? You're really like, wait, what's going on? Oh my gosh, this is crazy. You know, that would have worked. But we have this, which kind of, you know, starts up this whole thing of, yes, he, he goes to sleep, he has these dreams, and when, and, you know, within those dreams, there's a demon that is killing him. Right, so... It, it it lays that out, that aspect out, which if you read the synopsis, you already know, you know? So what we do to the, um, oh gosh, what's the word? Devise. <laughs> what we do devise is Shang is, he's a, a screenwriter and he's been having these sleep issues for six months. It also seems he's young. Right, and he's only just started screenwriting. So, it, you kind of think he's at the beginning of his career. He's at the start, and obviously there's frustrations. Right, you you kind of be like, ah, when are things going to take off? And but you know, there's work you have to do. These these are things we know, but. It, you just get the impression that he doesn't want to put that work in. It, it's hard to like any of these characters. They're not likable. <laughs> None of the characters really jump out at you and be like, oh, man, I feel bad for that person. You know? Yeah. They're rather irritating. And we do that whole thing, right, where, um, you know, you want to show someone is... Down on their luck or, you know, just not, just, I don't know, a bit downtrodden, right? Not as good as everyone else. So you make them hunch over, give them shraggly hair. And, and it's just like, ah, what are we doing here? You know, is it all, it all comes off as rather fake. All comes off as rather fake. And, yeah. So we have Shang, right? He keeps on getting attacked. But he then discovers one day he can bring things, bring things, you know, from the dreams. But I have to say, like, some of those things he brings, like, for, it starts off with a sword. The sword looks super fake. It looks fake. Doesn't look like a cool... You know what I mean? Just an old, like, even an ancient kind of sword or anything. It just looks real cheap and rubbishy. Like costume, um, stage, you know, jewellery and weaponry and all of that kind of thing. But we, we, so we have this and you can do this. And, like, 
there's people that have helped him out, but we don't see him helping those people, right? It, you just see him just, I don't know, it's, it's very odd, right? The way everything is, is kind of being shown to us, right? Because we also have, um, like we have these music, it's like a music video that keeps on playing and kind of interrupting the story, right, so it's hard to kind of devise, is this just some music thing or is this, you know, kind of a flashback to the past, because there's this girl he likes and he goes up to her, you know, when he finally, finally speaks to her, he's like, do you remember me, so I, I do wonder if it's the same girl, now, you know, it's hard to tell, look, I've got bad eyesight, people, do not kill me, but it might be her, right, so it might be a flash of, oh, they met a long time ago, but anyway, so that kind of interrupts the story a lot, this kind of sequence and these songs that this girl is singing in a bar, and and so you're just watching this whole thing, and you're just like, wait, what are we, what's he doing, what's he doing, because he then becomes rich, right, he's able to bring these things, and he sells them, now he's selling them obviously on the black market to dodgy people, and this is the thing that's very odd here, he's a screenwriter, so he reads, right, he reads, (laughs) so throughout the reading, right, because also it's in modern times, so there's the fact that he reads through his work, and even, you know, he might not be, like, he might not be super successful, but just going through school and uni and all of that, you would have had to have read old scripts, watch shows, watch programs, theatre, all of that jazz. So you come across the stories, right? Fuck around with dodgy characters, it bites you in the arse. Doesn't seem to uh, figure that out. Right, so you know that some of this is going to come back on him, right? Some of it will come back on him. We have this kind of storyline with a guy that makes pancakes. Pancakes do look kind of nice, but yeah, guy makes pancakes. So you have this kind of bit in the story, but again, it's this weird thread that doesn't doesn't really impact the story, apart from, you have a bit where the guy talks to him at the beginning, and then at the very end, there's a little thing that happens, which again, doesn't really make sense, but hey-ho, so we have all of this, and, you know, as soon as he makes money, right, we get flashbacks of Spider-Man 3, <laughs> and not the good parts of Spider-Man 3, right, I mean, one of the big moments in Spider-Man 3 that universally everyone hated 
was when Tobey Maguire is walking down the street and he starts dancing. <laughs> no one liked that bit because it made no sense. And they seem to be like, oh, that was a cool part. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's use that in the film. So, yeah, he, he's got money. And then you just see him dancing down the street. And you're just, what the fuck is he doing? What is he doing? This is so weird. All right, so, um, yeah, he's acting like a buffoon. But he's somebody rich. He's making change. But we don't really see what is he doing now. Right? What's he doing with the money? Like, how is he living his life? Don't really see it. It's all a little bit baffling, like, they, they want to take the story to this point, but it's just like, eh, we don't need this rest of this stuff, now, all the time still, there's, there's bits with, you know, the demon still chasing him in his dreams, right, one thing that's never established, can he ever actually just sleep, right, because if every time you sleep, this happens, then you're never actually getting any sleep whatsoever. So that's going to fuck you up, right? Hardly anyone can kind of live like that. But that's never really um, established, right? But we, we have this kind of thing, right? So, yeah, he, he's now living it up, living this higher life. Still being a shit though, right? Because there's a you know, someone commissioned him to write scripts, and at first we see him run away from him, even though look, you've got all of this money, pay the fucking die. Or you, you kind of wonder why didn't you make that fucking phone call in the first place? But then they all start hanging out and being buddies, and you're a bit like, wait. Were these two kind of friends, right? One guy, he gives him some work, and then it all goes a bit square shape, and now they're cool again. Who who knows? Who the fuck? No, because the story is very all over the place. It's all over the place. Homie tries to steal from him, which is another odd little moment that seems to get brushed underneath the carpet, but then they, you know, team up, team up, which, again, it doesn't really make any sense, because you're just like, okay, how is this working, how is it working, because he dreams, he goes back, he brings things, but what is this dude actually meant to do? Right, because it's not like it's Inception, you know, and you've got the guy ready to pull you out of the dream if things are going. No, that's not the case here. Because even if you die in your dream, it's fine, because you just wake up. So you're wondering, why is this guy needed? I don't know. I'm baffled. But 
he um, now he's got money, right? He thinks I'm gonna go finally talk to this girl, who who owns this coffee shop, this coffee shop that makes no money, and um, yeah, so they start talking. Yeah, I think you can guess how that goes, but this whole thing, no red flags for her, right? You you don't ever get that kind of thing. Where she'd be like, um, yeah, this is super weird. Now she does, there's one bit where she's like, um, if you're married or, you know, you have a partner, then I don't really want to know you. Right, but that's all. That's the only thing she says. (laughs) It's just not like, you can't buy me. Or, you know, I don't want someone just for their money. She's just like, that's all she says. But there's never a um, a love kind of situation between them, as far as we can see, as far as we can see. But you know, you know that gets thrown in at the end, and it gets super weird and messy and all of this, right? Which is yeah, super confusing. Super confusing. Is one thing that doesn't really get established. How the fuck are you meant to get a car out of a hotel room? <laughs> um, yeah, that was a weird part of the story. Is just like, wait, how do you get a car out of a hotel room? Huh? I'm a little lost here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got me a little baffled, people. What? <laughs> so, yeah, all of this is going on. And we then get this weird thing of, oh, is he screenwriting again? Right? Has he been screenwriting this whole time? We just don't know. Right? They, they keep on taking these... Feels like they're taking elements from other films, right? It looks like we go to Schmorg's um, gold pit from The Hobbit. <laughs> it looks like we see that, right? In, um, oh gosh, I think, I want to say it's in 300, or it might be that awful film, The Immortals. You know, and you have the gods and they've got these big golden belts. It look no, it's definitely three hundred because the guy becomes super tall and or it's like we we have his gold belt in it, right? That whole god character seems to be in it for a second. It's like yeah, they take these moments from these films and throw them in, you know, because you wonder what what's he doing. Right, what is he What's he doing with this weird power that he's got Right, it's never really established You know, he keeps on talking about Am I good? I don't know, am I a good person? Right, and his friend's like Oh no, you're only taking the things that you deserve They're not anyone else's things And you're like, I kind of feel they were other people's things. <laughs> you know what I mean? You didn't just take things that are lying around. Right? If it was just the weapons he was getting killed with, that's fine. But then it's clear that it is not. So, 
get lately you have this thing where the film is trying to be all this philosophical philosopher it's trying to be deep right it's trying to philosophize with you you know obviously there's those nietzsche quotes and you know all of those kind of things that you know these type of films love to throw in so there is all of this but again there is not really a reason established for our character here you know it's just like you kind of think okay he's a he's a struggling writer at the very start of all of this he has money though which again not established how right but he has some money so you're thinking okay he might need a little bit of money maybe buy himself a new laptop to work on right pays rent for a year just so he has a foundation, a base, right, then he can write, he wants to be a writer, but then it moves on, and you're thinking, okay, so, you know, he, he does some stuff with this money, but what then does he need, right, none of this is established, but we see him doing more and more and more, so you'll just be like, well, obviously you're not a good person, you're shit, <laughs> but then they, you kind of think the story's like, oh, we need to do something, we need to now inject something else into this whole piece, and you now have people from the past cashing in, right, cashing in on him, and it then takes this whole weird turn, Takes this whole weird turn. You then get this weird love bit injected in, which happens again all of a sudden. And you have all this stuff all of a sudden. Things to kind of, ah, we need to do, we need to finish the film on this certain note. How are we going to do it? And so we have all of this stuff happen. And you just, you don't really care. Right? Because you're not really rooting for Shang. Because he's a shit Right, he's a shit we, we haven't been won over by him So you're just like, eh, whatever And the film kind of gives you a Dallas Right, kind of gives you a Dallas <laughs> Which is just like, wait, what? Wait, that's how you're gonna You're gonna end it like that? Right? And then you just get this Weird revelation Be like, I made the deal like you And you're like Wait, but there was no deal What are we What are you talking about? <laughs> so, yeah Super me Is, um it's kind of super odd <laughs> It's kind of super odd But I don't know I don't watch a lot of Chinese dramas So maybe this is The storytelling Mechanisms that they Enjoy using Maybe it makes a lot more sense If you um, You know If you ingest A lot of that kind of thing Maybe but, um, yeah, I don't know. 
Listen, if you like odd stuff, maybe like um, Wu Assassins or that nun film that Netflix series that put put out last year. If you like those, you might like this. Right, if you like the Chinese dramas that have been dropping, which is cool for diversity and all of that, right? Diversity of storytelling, more than anything. If you like those, I'm sure this plays for you, right? This, you know, you understand it, you get it. I found it a bit confusing, a bit odd, a bit flat, but that's just me. But it's on Netflix, so you can watch it, people. You can watch it, you can enjoy it, it is there, and it is called Super Me. Well, Neil Marshall has a new film dropping, um, which is always, you know, something to look forward to. I mean, look, there have been, you know, the odd, mm, not so good film. Right, but he's made some fun ones, like uh, you know the Descent. Oh my gosh, the, well when I say fun, the Descent wasn't so much fun as in scary as hell. The Descent was scary as hell. Now his first film, Dog Soldiers, that was fun. It was creepy, but when you've got guys turning into dogs, you know what I mean? Hey, that's amusing. Doomsday was ridiculous, but a lot of fun to watch. Centurion and Hellboy, yeah, those not so great, right? But you know, then he went to did some TV stuff, directed some great episodes of Game of Thrones. Did um, I think he's done Black Sails and some other stuff? You know what I mean? So. Listen, we we know with Neil Caliber we're going to get a certain quality. Certain quality of product. And we can kind of forgive him for Hellboy because there was a lot going on behind the scenes with that one. So, yes, his new film is called The Reckoning. Okay, so um, he co-wrote that with Edward... Evers Swindle and Charlotte Kirk. Right, it is produced by Daniel Conard Cooper, Michael Marks, Stephen Wilde, and Esther Turin. And the film um, has music by Christopher Drake. Cinematography is Luke Bryant. Um, who else is involved? Yeah, I think that's it. We then we just got our cast. So it is starring Charlotte Kirk, right? Also, she plays Grace. We've also got Sean Pertwee. He plays Witch Hunter Moorcroft. We have Stephen Waddington as Pendleton, the to town. Squire, I think is he's an arsehole. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joseph Anderson plays her husband, Joseph. We got Rick Walden as a Reverend Malcolm, Mark Ryan as Peck. Um, yeah, Bill Fellows as Suter. 
Susan Magowan as Ursula, uh, Leon Ockenden as um, Morton. All right, we have uh, Sarah Lambie as Kate, Emma Campbell Jones as Jane, Ian White plays the devil, and Maximilian Slash Martin is the stable boy. Slash as the middle. Oh my gosh, parents, man, what are you doing? But that's our cast. Right, so, um, what is the film about? Well, it is this. After losing her husband during the Great Plague, Grace Haverstock is unjustly accused of being a witch and placed in the custody of England's most ruthless witch hunter, Judge Moorcroft, forced to endure physical and emotional torture while steadfastly maintaining her innocence, Grace face Grace must face her own inner demons as the devil himself starts to work his way into her mind. Dum 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 dum. Now, when it says the devil himself, it's not really the devil himself. I don't think. I mean, it's meant to be an analogy, right? It's you know the emotional trauma and everything. Yeah, that's what. You know, I mean, we're getting shown it to be rather than because you'd think if it was the devil, right? Um, he'd have come and done some more heinous stuff <laughs> than just float around in the background. I mean, you'd have thought maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, people. I don't know, but. It's, um, yeah, look, it's an, it's an odd film, I ain't gonna lie, it's, it's an odd film, now, look, it opens up, oh, right, so we have black and white scenes of a woman being dragged away, you know, we've got, um, a daughter, a girl and by a, you know, you'd assume is the daughter, so we see all of this, And then we come to present day. A woman, she hears a noise. It's raining. She goes outside. And, um, yeah, we just basically see her cutting down her... And you'd presume it's her husband who's hanging. She's burying him. And while this... While we're having this... We get kind of, we get some flashbacks, right? We get flashbacks to what happened. How this guy ended up being hanging from a tree, right? And I think, you know, that's not a bad way of, yeah, letting us know this whole situation. Without having to be like, okay, so what happened was... You know, we get the the whole gist of things. Um, And then, you know, the story kind of goes from there. Now, it's... There's a few things that don't really make a lot of sense. Right? 
And I, I, I'd say, you know, I think hanging is not the best way of dying. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not fun. Right? Like, I think you would need a real big drop. Because you want your neck just to snap. You don't want to be, like, swinging. You know, doing the air jig. So it's not a great way of dying. There's, there's, you'd think there's other ways. I mean, they've got a gun. Well, a blunderbust, right? So you'd think there's better ways of going. So it, 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 it's that in itself that you're just like, okay, why would he choose to do that? Right? Then, in these flashbacks, we have the, this incident. Right, this incident which led to all of this. Now, <laughs> I I do kind of question how Joseph would instantly know. Oh, I think I have. <gasps> no, you know what I mean. Like you get this whole thing of, oh. I think I've drunk something wrong. And you're like, I don't, yeah. It, it was a bit baffling how that suddenly came to him in this moment. It did, didn't make too much sense. You know? So we, we have all of that. But then I think we get certain actions. Because this is, you know, 1770, I believe. Right, it's the great plague. It's not a good time. <laughs> it's definitely not a good time. But we have Jane just going to town. Like going to town on a on her own to try and get help. And you're thinking, I don't really think that would happen. Right? I don't think she's gonna be able to get away with doing that during those times. It it was a um yeah a weird thing, right? Then you just had the actions of the people. The actions of the people are weird, right? Because I think everyone knew what happened, right? After because things happen, right? You've got the landlord, you know, Pennington, he 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 goes to supposedly give his condolences, but you know what he wants, right? He wants to bed grace. So it's like, hey, pay me my money or go. I'm going to kick you out. Or we could come to an arrangement, right? That doesn't work, though. And everyone knows what went down. Right? People know what he's like. He's obviously done it to a load of different women. So you would uh, you'd understand, right? I think you understand the other people in the village helping him because he's just like, hey, don't laugh at me. I could kick you all out of your homes. I own this place. Right? So yes, you know, these people they're worried, right? He could actually do that. Put, make them desolate. And you don't want to be desolate at this time. I mean, any time is bad. But when the plague is ravaging the place, not a good time. 
right? Not a good time. So you understand that, right? Why they would do it in fear? Because one minute they're all, ha, you're an arsehole. Hey, you're a creep. Then it's just like, they're doing this stuff with glee, which that doesn't make much sense. Right now, I get them doing it, but to do it with the glee in which they did, that seemed a bit odd, right? You think it would just be a bit more stoic, maybe a bit more. Ugh, we got to do this. Don't want to do it, but got to do it. Right, so you've got that. Which doesn't, it seems to go against the grain a little bit. You then have, and it's always a pet peeve, right? It's the plague. It's 1700s. It wasn't a clean time. I mean, the plague, partly the, the reason that spread so badly, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Hygiene was one of them, right? No sewage system. People didn't wash a lot. Right, so it's just spreading. There's no washing your hands and all of this kind of thing. There's no mass sanitation. So that's the time we're living in. But everyone is um, clean. <laughs> like their clothes are always so clean. Your Grace, they're not, they're not rich. They're poor. But she's wearing this really nice green dress. And um, you just think that would have cost a lot of money because of the dye, the colour. You're not wearing that that colour. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's earth tones. Because you're dyeing the shit yourself. You're making the stuff yourself. So there's these weird inconsistencies with it. Now, it the, the production and everything like that, it looks well put together. Right, looks well put together. We have very good sound, you know. You have, well, I'd say the music starts off, you know, it, it, it works, right? Like this do 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 do, you know, this scary kind of stuff when certain things happen, it then does, you know, overplay it, right? It goes back to the well again and again and again and again. Again, which is just a little too much But, yeah, so all of this is going down But I, I think one of the ah, uh, One of the, the worst things Is the dialogue The dialogue is very bad The dialogue is very bad Like, it gets caught between modern and Dickens <laughs> You know what I mean You're just like wait what, What's happening here What are they doing And it's It's the delivery of those lines From a lot of the people Right it feels rather flat You know rather stale There's not really a soul to the film You know it looks the part For the most part Right, we can forget about the, you know, the cleanliness and blood and, you know, things like that. But, you know, essentially, yes, it does look the part. But, yeah, there's no soul to it. You know, we, we have the, this delivery from all the people, right? There's no passion. 
you know, Grace has lost her husband, you know, but it's all a bit like, eh. you know, you have arguments between husbands and wives, but it's all a bit like, oh, what are you doing? I don't want to live like this. You're a bastard. You read? And then suddenly out of nowhere, it's like, you're shit. You're shit. You're like, wait, are they saying shit then? Like, what's happening? It, it, it just felt like a bit of a damp squid, unfortunately. The, you know, the stable boy, right, towards the end, he drops a line of, like, um, you know, he's, uh, what should we do? I'm like, there was, there's been enough killing this night. I feel like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This uneducated stable boy is not saying lines like that. <laughs> I mean, that's not happening. You know? You're just like, wait, huh? Now, look, Marshall wanted to make a film about female empowerment. I get it. I understand. There is no problem with this. But, right, the, 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 there's things in the film that just don't really work. Now, the Guardian, <laughs> as I was like looking for, you know, posters and stuff for this, I, I noticed the Guardian's, you know, heading of their review, right? The Reckoning Review. Which movie descends into misogynistic torture ordeal? And I'm just a bit like, well, it's not that. <laughs> I mean, we could say it's not a misogynistic film. Right? It's depicting what did happen. Women were tortured. You know, at the end, it tells us over 500,000 women were actually tortured by, you know, these witch hunters. Which is partly the church, right? Which is great. Now, that's not just all in one place. That's over Europe and North America. I mean, but that's still a ridiculous an amount of people, but, yeah, women were getting tortured, right, so there was, you know, water being poured over you, stabbing, you know, whippings, the rack, all manner of things, so, no, it's not misogynistic, it's also, we don't really see it, right, it, it's not... Having lingering shots of certain things happening. That's not a thing. So I will definitely say that for the film. You know, I think it handled those scenes pretty well. Right? There's a, a scene of um Grace having sex with her, you know, husband. Which you're just like... I don't even know why that's there. <laughs> right? Is it, now, again, we don't see anything. Right? We are just seeing her back. But it's a bit like, why include... This seems an odd, an odd scene to have up in there. You know what I mean? It was weird. But the film has a lot of those weird moments. Right? At the start of the film, she's struggling to lift a sword. By the end of the film, she has no issue. And it's like, hey, I get it women empowerment, 
But you know the muscles to lift a sword. <laughs> you, know, you, you you need to work those up, as people know from going to the gym. Like not everyone can do push-ups, you know, sit-ups, all of that straight out the gate. It it takes a while, and especially at the beginning, we see her struggling with it. She does nothing in the film to, you know, build those muscles. <laughs> and also, she's just spent days being tortured. So, you know, but days being tortured doesn't look haggard, doesn't look messed up. You can clearly see she's wearing makeup, which is, you're just like, wait, what? It's weird. It's odd. It's very odd. Now, listen, it's not the worst film I've ever seen. And I do think fans of, um, you know, certain period pieces, I think they, they could probably sit well with this. I think it would probably work with them. But if you're a bit of a stickler for um, ye olden times, right, this isn't really gonna work for you, you know, it, it's not like, um, oh, god damn, there was a, a film that came out, uh, 2019, I think it's something, Molly Lynn something, it was three names, you know, and, and that was very atmospheric, Right, that really kind of felt like the period, so it's not one of those. But you know, yeah, if you just want to watch a kind of yeah, girl power kind of thing, then this might tickle that for you. Um, it's released today on Shudder, so people, if you've got Shudder, definitely, you know what I mean. You can go check it out. Now, I would say, we have talked about better films on Shudder in past weeks. But, hey, if you're a Neil Marshall fan, this might be your thing. Okay, so, The Reckoning, it is out today on Shudder. It's funny how you can be looking forward to a film, but then... Not remember anything about that film whatsoever. Right, so I've been waiting for Oxygen to hit Netflix. Because I thought, oh man, that sounds like an interesting idea. You know what I mean? It sounded like a little something. Well, actually, you know. I think it, it sounded a little bit something like that um, Ryan Reynolds film, you know, from 2010, right, called Buried. You know, like he was in a coffin and he rakes up and, you know, just like, whoa, right? And I think... Oxygen sounded a bit like that. Definitely. So, yeah, this is a, a cryo unit. It's not a coffin. So you're just like, oh, how can they tell that story? What are they going to do? But 
Yeah, I, I, in my head, for some reason, I thought Halle Berry was starring in this. She is not. <laughs> it's not Halle Berry at all. You know, and then I think, oh, well, maybe she was attached. No, wasn't even attached. <laughs> so it was Anne Hathaway originally. You know, then Naomi Rapaz. You know, so yeah, I don't know where all these phantom <laughs> memories came from, but that does kind of tie into the film, which is um, yeah, you know, interesting. So anyway, this film it's directed and produced by Alexandra Aja, um, Gregory uh, Lebasu. Uh, Vincent Maval, Bramim Chui, um, and Noemi David also produce. The film is uh, written by Christy LaBlanc. Music is from Rob. <laughs> you know, Rob. <laughs> um, otherwise known as Robin. Kudut. Uh, cinematography is Maximine Alexandre. It's edited by Herb Schnid. And yeah, it's a Netflix feature. So um it's got a very small cast. Right? We've got um a Melanie Leon as Elizabeth Hansen. We've got a Matthew Amalric as Milo and Malik Zidi as Leo Ferguson. So the gist of the film is this. A young woman wakes up in a medical cryo unit. She doesn't remember who she is or how she ended up sequestered in a box no larger than a coffin. As she's running out of oxygen, she must rebuild her memory to find a way out of her nightmare. <laughs> Does sound intriguing, right, people? Does sound intriguing. So this also this is a French film, right? It's um Aja's return to French French films for a little while. But luckily. You know, Netflix does have an English language version, well, an English language audio track on the, on the site, so that is very good, but yeah, I guess if you, you know, if you speak French, then, um, you know, it, it might work better for you watching it in the native language, because yeah, I think... You know, uh, these translations of a lot of these films, like this and The Beast, um, which other ones, like, I think it was, what is it, Zero, Below Zero, you know, stuff like that. It's good, right? I enjoyed watching those films in English, but there is always that slight noticeability with, like, the way they speak or sometimes the flow of the conversation, you know, sometimes words don't quite fit, right, so you do kind of think, okay, 
if yeah if i if i was to watch this in the native it probably is going to work a bit better but yeah you know you have those options and it's good to have options people always good to have options so i think this film opens up very nicely right i i definitely will say that about this right so um yeah we just have kind of a dark screen and flashes like red light right flashes of of red and within the this kind of opening sequence we're seeing well we're seeing someone kind of lying on this thing in a shroud as it were right kind of mummified we're also getting you know these these shots of um a, a kind of like a medical uh sweet studio medical studio operating um room as it were right so we're seeing those also seeing mice like these experiments on mice deformed mice you know things going horribly wrong so we're seeing all of this the the person in the tomb they start to try and free themselves they're trying to escape and all the time while this is going on we've got this music playing right this beeping noise like an alarm and also the noise of kind of a heartbeat and it's like boom 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 and you you kind of get this anxiety this you know this anxious feeling from the person lying there right there's something big happening but as you know they're, they're freeing themselves the heartbeat starts to slow you know that the light seems to settle and i thought that sequence done very well it does really kind of get you into all of this so person's now free we see it's a young lady and um she starts to you know scream for help well it's a bit of a croak at first hearing but we're seeing that banging on the ceiling um i mean and she's also taking all the well a lot of the tubes and sensors of herself which definitely an interesting move right you wake up in a medical kind of setting and you might be like i don't know what any of these things do if I removed them, is that going to kill me? Is that going to be problematic? But she's just like, nope, don't want that. Take it out. Take it out of me. So, yeah, hitting on the thing. And that, people, is when we get introduced to Milo. Ah, and Milo isn't just a little name. It's an acronym, right, for medical interface liaison operator hmm kind of slick right so yeah lights all come on all the computer we sense it realize oh there's all these computer screens and readouts and all of this all around her and yeah milo introduces himself 
also tells her, um, yeah, unit compromised, there's damage, failure, you got 35% oxygen, which, yeah, no, that's a little concerning, right, but here's the rub, here's the rub, and all of this, it plays out very well, definitely plays out very well, yeah, like, in that whole beginning, right, when she's kind of trying to break out this thing, you do kind of get a little bit of an alien vibe there, just from that kind of imagery, but it's fun, right, now, she starts to scream, right, she starts screaming and everything like that, and I'm just like, wait, you were just told you got 35% oxygen, why the fuck you screaming, yo, what's, what's happening here, and you're just like, oh, that is baffling, baffling, right, so, I, I do think that the story is interesting. The story here is very interesting. And we get some very nice twists. Right? To keep it moving. To keep it like... Ooh. They do throw in some good twists. That, gotta say... You know... You don't really see coming. They work. The twists work, and there's imagery in this that you do kind of think, huh, okay, especially when you find that the film was filmed last year, so filmed in 2020, and you're just like, oh, was this made, you know, written during COVID, right, because, yeah, there's certain things, you know, masks and all of this, and you're like, oh, okay, it could, you know, this is an interesting response, right, we've, we've seen other things, but this is an interesting response to that, but it wasn't, right, this, this film started, you know, post-production and all of that, trying to, you know, tie up the leads and the cast and all, 2017, so, yeah, but I thought that was interesting, now, listen, it's, as I said, look, it's interesting, I like the concept, there are things in the film, though, that, oh, just seem very irritating, <laughs> right, they just, I don't know, it, it uh, there was a, a, a thing about it that was just like, this is frustrating. This is frustrating. Now, as I said, look, it, 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 in concept, it reminded me of um, Buried, you know, which, again, it's this psychological kind of thriller, right? But I think the thing between um the thing between the two buried is a bit a little bit shorter, not crazily amounts, but it's about fifteen minutes shorter, and I think that's right. I might be wrong there, but um it 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 seemed to flow a little better. Because, yeah, there, there's things in this that you're just like, what are you doing? I don't understand. Right? Because there's this constant 
screaming, right? And I understand there's panic, right? But then there's other parts of the film that kind of make you wonder why there would be panic from this person, right? From this person. And you have been told you've got 35% oxygen. And look, we all know that, you know, a, a raised heartbeat is going to increase your consumption of oxygen, right? So there is that. I think maybe starting at a higher percentage might have worked a bit better for the pacing of the film. Because we get to a point where, um, you know, like, it's it, it goes from 35 to 21 pretty quickly it would seem then it seems to plateau for a while then again it seems to accelerate really fast and we're at these points and you're just like wait it suddenly dropped to this I, and I, I remember it going from one number to a, a, the next number down Real quick, we're watching it, and it's like, you're at, and then a few seconds later, it's like, the um, level is now, and you're like, damn, this is moving quickly, but you're noticing, like, but we're not near the end of the film yet, how are they gonna do this? And I think that's one of the problems, right, because there, there wasn't a consistent flow to this oxygen, which did make you, like, you are kind of watching it going, hold up, how, we've got 40 minutes left, how are they going to, you know, fill that time when we're at such a low amount, right, so that kind of becomes an issue, right, and then you have other things, like just the actions, because she needs help, she needs help, but she gets through to someone on a phone, which that's a little confusing, especially the calling back. But anyway, that happens. And it, it's her response to all of this. Like she hangs up the phone numerous times and you're just a bit like, wait, you need information. Why would you be hanging up? The, like that, made, it just made no sense, right? It, it makes no sense. And also the way you're making a phone call. You need help. You're not fucking around. Right? It'd be like, hi, my name is, I'm trapped. I need help. Could you call this person? Could you get in contact? Could you tell me? But we don't get that. Right? It's this weird call. So you're just, wait. Why would someone in that trouble do that? Huh? That, that makes no sense. That's stupid. Right? And, and I think it, it's these things that, you know, impacted the film for me. Right? Because, yet again, like, that we get these nice little twists in it. And I'm all about that. 
right, I'm all in it for this, these little moments that you keep you engaged, but then we get these other actions that throw you out of the film a bit, you're a bit like, what are we doing, you know, we get this information on why, right, potentially why, which really interesting, really interesting, you know, like the, the, the idea of the film, I really do like, but yeah, it's just these odd little moments that just kind of have you at, what are we doing, stop it, you're being ridiculous, right, being ridiculous, you know, and, it's, it's like the hallucinations and just all of this. I think you do get to a point where some of it you're wondering how much of this is truth and how much is just, I don't even know, right? Yeah. But there's probably enough interesting things to make this a worthwhile watch. You know, I would say that, and again, so this is the big thing, I think if you could watch it in French, maybe she's not as irritating, I think that might be a big thing, right, because I think it's the the screaming and some of these, these kind of, maybe the call is better in the native language, I don't know, but... It's interesting. I will definitely say it's interesting. Uh, Because of the, you know, the odd bits in the film, I think it takes it away from being really good. Because I thought Buried was really good. You know, within that film, the narrative makes more sense. You know, the, the, the way our character reacts... To the situation and the news and all of that. You're like, yeah, of course someone would do that. Right? Of course someone would ask for that. But in this one, not some some of the stuff, not so much. But still interesting. So it's on Netflix, right? So you can watch it anytime you feel, people. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, maybe go check that out. It is called Oxygen, and it doesn't star Harry Berry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I could definitely engage you if you're looking for a, um, a sci-fi drama thriller. All right? Go have fun, people, and keep an eye on the gauge. <laughs> Okay, people, so we have reached that time again, the end of another episode, but before we bounce, let's take a look and see what films um, have interesting happenings. Alright, so, as expected, you know what I mean, because there were six books, right, so, um, yeah. You know, Nancy Springer is going to see a little more change.
coming her way because um, Legendary and Netflix are making a sequel to Enola Holmes. Um, it would seem everyone is returning. You know, Harry Bradbeer will be directing again. Jack Fawn on the script. You know, um, Henry Cavall and um, Millie Bobby Brown have both signed up as well. So, also people in um, all the kind of shenanigans that are going um, down, John Kronansky, John, um, yeah, Kronansky, I think I pronounced it right, he has just signed a first look deal with Paramount Pictures, which, you know, makes a lot of sense. Like I think a lot of these big films and stuff and whatnot is set up at Paramount right now. So yeah, you know. So Sunday Night Productions, yeah, you know, all of their upcoming stuff will be coming from uh, Paramount, hitting Paramount Plus and all of that. You know. Um, yeah, I mean, Emily Blunt is also tied up in that deal as well. You know, so I think probably the first of all of that will be, um, you know, the A Quiet Place sequel that is due to be hitting, I think, at the end of the month, right? So we have that. And then there is a film with um, Ryan Reynolds, which should be the next one on the slate. Uh, so, um, talking about her acquisitions, even, um, Cohen Brothers, right, made a ton of great films together. So, it's an interesting move as um, the tragedy of Macbeth. Is coming from just one of them. Yeah, Joe Cohen is um yeah doing this film on his own. I think it's the first the first time you know they haven't worked as a tandem. So um Apple have just picked up the film from A24. Right, it's um it's got a good cast. As um, most Cohen films seem to do, right? We got Francis Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington, along with um, Brendan Gleeson, Corey Hawkins, Sean Patrick Thomas, Rafe. In this one and uh, Brian Thompson, right? So, um, as you might have guessed, it is a take on the um classic Macbeth story. So, um, yes, now another franchise that is um doing a little thing, right? And director who's making moves. So Ryan Johnson, right, just signed a huge deal with Netflix to make two Knives Out sequels with the streamer. So um, yeah, now 
we're getting that cast fill out. Right, so um, already signed up for this sequel is um, Edward Norton, right? Who I can't remember um, seeing around for a little while, right? So it's good to have old Nortony back. Dave Batista and Janelle Monet. So yeah, they are the first of um, a huge cast I'm imagining, like the first film, who will be involved with Detective Benoit Blanc, aka Daniel Craig. So yeah, looking forward to seeing how um, this will turn out. Uh, so in other news, people, um, coming off a very successful, um, yeah, debut, right? Regina King, you know, she had one night in Miami, right? We talked about it at last year's London Film Festival. Well, she, her new film, which is set up at Legendary, is called Bitter Root. It's um, being uh, produced by Ryan Coogler, Zinzi Coogler, and Sev Onhani. Right? And um, it, what I like about this, right? Because um, it's an adaptation of a comic book from David F. Walker, Samford Green, and Chuck Brown. Who are all on board as executive producers And yo, David F. Walker I like that dude So hey, it's nice to see him You know, have this success So uh, Brian Edward Hill Is um, writing the script And the gist of the story is this Right We follow the Sangri's family Right Who um of once great monster hunting clan, right? So they hunt or cure those infected by a supernatural force that feeds off the prejudice of the era that transforms humans into monsters. With most of their kin dead, the surviving Sangris had the unenviable choice to save or kill the creatures in hope of faulting an invasion. Bum, bum, bum. And this all takes place on a backdrop of 1924 New York. I sounds interesting, right? Um, show. Um, where should we go next? Hmm. All right, let's take a look at this one. Now it's an interesting one, right? Because you know we see a lot of films make changes so they can, uh, you know, be shown in China. But two films that look like they might not are the upcoming Marvel Universe uh, features Shang-Chi and um, the, the Legend of the Ten Rings and Eternals now both have Chinese connections right so um, 
you know, uh, Eternals is directed by Chloe Zhao, you know, who also hey, directed Nomadland, very good film. And um, Shang-Chi, it stars Simu Lu and, uh, you know, Tony Leng Chai Wa, uh, Michelle Yu, right? But it would seem that, um, yeah, China doesn't want anything to do with those films, right? And so in that, it makes you kind of think, right? What's the point in the studios kowtowing to the Chinese government? Because that's what it is. The Chinese government has to oversee what films get played in the country. And they can censor those films. So why? Why? You know what I mean? Why do it when if they feel, you know, slighted in some weird way, they're not going to play the film. So why compromise a creative vision Even though it might not even work You know what I mean? So I wonder with, with if this happens Will we start to see studios just go Fuck it I'd like to think so But who knows Alright, let us end with this people So um you know, with cinema still not opened fully, you know, and I think it, it, everything, it all depends, right, because we're seeing, you know, some places seem to be clearing up, other places, there's reinfections, so Disney had decided to um, do day and day releases with a few of their upcoming films. So we know Coella and Black Widow are going day and day, right? So getting premium access on Disney Plus. And now we learn that Jungle Cruise, right, which is starring Emily Blunt and uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That as well will get day and day release uh, when it comes out in the summer. But, you know, still a good thing, right? Because it's what, just under $30, and I think it's just pounds in the UK. I think they just, you know what I mean? <laughs> Translate it, just change the currency, don't change the cost. But yeah, I mean, 30 pounds, right? That's the cost of two tickets to go to the cinema. Actually, it's probably slightly cheaper than two tickets. So if you have a your family, right? And Jungle Cruise is definitely a family film. Hey, that's gonna be cheaper than going to the cinema. But what this does mean for people who you know might still be shielding or still feel uncomfortable going out allows them to go and watch a new film also if you've got you know you have to get babysitters and all of that you can still watch the film but trust me you still have plenty of people that are gonna go cinema there's i will be going to the cinema as soon as they open you know what i mean so hey it makes sense as a move and um you know we'll, we'll see uh, 
We'll see what happens with this whole thing, right? But, um, people, that is it. We are done. So enjoy your film watching, and we will see you next Thursday for another Echo Chamber. Alright, people, peace.